City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Buzz City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Welcome to the latest episodes of the Hornets Draft Show on the All Hornets Podcast Network. Me and Chase are back. Um, I've been away in Spain uh, for a week. While I was away, I've had two fantastic episodes drop with Matthew Penny and Jeremy Wu. But we are now back. We're talking prospect rankings all this week. We're going to have big swings, forwards, guards. Today, we're going to get guards, maybe touching wings as well. But before we get into any of that, Chase, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, but I think you very casually dropped that I was away in Spain at the beginning of this this podcast. Uh, how was Spain? What that that sound? That was must have been a good time. It seems like it would be a really nice place to go at this time of year. Uh, yeah. I- you see, Spain is like where English people go is like an easy, close, cheap holiday. That's, which, I did not consider that it's like only probably like a couple hour flight away. From yeah, two hours, two hours. Two hours. So when I say like I've gone to Spain, like if you're in America, you go to Spain and it's like, oh, wow, like culture and everything. Like for us, we go to a place called like Benidorm, which is known for like <laughs> it's uh, it's what we call expats. I don't know if you have that phrase over there, which is like. People who like English people who go live abroad basically is what we what expats are. So okay, it's uh yeah. So we, we went over to Spain, but it, hey, it was great. Weather was incredible. I had a good time away. It was my fiance's mum's sixtieth birthday, and that's why we all went away. Um, saw some NBA jerseys while I was over there, which is interesting. Um, I saw oh, a Utah they? Jazz George Niang jersey, which was niche. That is very unique. Yes, I, I know. Is, I, how, I don't know how that got over there. If I spoke Spanish, I would have gone over and spoke to him and be like, what, why and how? Um, then the other one I saw was a Jimmy Fredette Sacramento Kings jersey. Okay, here we go. These makes a little bit stuff. more sense, but at the same time, I'm like, you know he's had that jersey for a few years. <laughs> That's for sure. Quite a few. Maybe maybe about a decade by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Spain was great. Big, obviously, basketball hotbed. Didn't do or see anyone I was over there. Too much time and a hammock in the pool, but had a great time. Uh, but back just in time because it's just over two weeks away before the NBA draft. Are you getting excited? I'm very excited. Uh, I it's been. I feel like it's approaching very rapidly, but I'm, I'm getting pretty anxious to see how things shake out here. I feel like we haven't gotten quite as many like pre-draft rumors up to this point, so mm. maybe they'll all just start flying out of the coming out of the floodgates and yeah i think weeks. once nba finals is done you'll start to see the watch shams the true. big boys they'll start to lock in on draft time i think um i, I was gonna ask like for the draft for you uh 
where does it rank in in NBA days per year and also just like days per year for you? Like, like, is it, do you like free agency more? Do you like the first day of the NBA season? Uh, what, where does the NBA draft day rank for you? Uh, so, well, this isn't probably isn't one day, but my specific favorite days of the NBA calendar are the first round playoffs when they're uh, on the weekends, like Saturday and Sunday, when they have playoff games, essentially from like noon Eastern time. Uh, and then it ends at like, 11 o'clock at night so I like that is that is easily my favorite time of the year in the NBA but the draft is definitely number two because uh, I've always said like it combines my two favorite sports uh the NBA and uh NCAA men's basketball so you know it's a, it's a pretty good deal that that they've cut out for me with this NBA draft stuff so and I'm, I'm yeah. glad that I've, I've gotten into it more over the last few years too it makes me like it even more for me it's like Christmas day like in fact it's better than Christmas day it's my Easily. ultimate one day I put the draft in my calendar. As soon as the draft happens, I wake up the next day and put it in my calendar the next year to make sure that I'm like free and available for it. If there are best friends, weddings, stag dues, whatever there is, I am not missing the NBA draft. It's just, it's just not happening. I enjoy it too much. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited now already. Um, this episode, we're going to have a look at the, our top guard prospect rankings. And how we're going to structure this is a little bit different to how we do it in our center uh, rankings, but we, we're going to mix it up a little bit with the format. And rather than kind of bumping into each other with, with who we each have, we're going to do it mock draft style. So we're going to go just go through our top five guard prospects. Chase is going to have the number one pick for guards. I will then go number two. Chase will go number three and et cetera. You all know how mock draft works. Um, and this is just going to be a good little scenario here where we're, we're basically going to probably talk about mostly f- first round players. Like that's with top fives. You're generally not getting outside the first round apart from maybe with the center market on, on the 22, 22 NBA draft. Um, so you have the number one pick. Chase, I will hand over to you. Who is your top ranked guard in this NBA draft class? All right. So... My top-ranked guard in the 22 draft class uh, is probably the same as most other people's top-ranked guard, uh, Jaden Ivey. I flip-flopped back and forth with this a couple times. I actually had Shaden Sharp Sharp ranked higher than him for quite a while, but uh, especially for the Hornets, like I just love Jaden Ivey's ability to get downhill both in the open court and in the half court. Uh, He really – there are some highlights that you'll see if you watch through his Purdue games he gets the ball at like behind half court and can just outrun guys that are already near the three point line to get back to the rim. Like he, he's so fast. He's really strong too. Uh, and I believe in his jumper in the, uh, in the NBA, maybe not necessarily as like a mid range pull up guy, but I definitely think he'll be able to space the floor a little bit enough to be like a lead guard and uh, an off guard. So I think that positional versatility bodes well for him too. Uh, and I Shaden sharp, like I still like him a lot, but, uh, Jaden Ivey has definitely shown more to be like worthy of a top four pick or, or maybe even top two or three. Cause uh, the rumors are heating up that the teams in the top three, like him now too. They are. And uh, most places still protect Ivy to go fourth or fifth to the Kings of Detroit. And especially the Kings very much sound like they're open for business. So like talking about Chet and Paolo and, um Jabari like those guys they feel kind of unreachable like there is no trade the Hornets I don't think could make to get to those guys 
I think Sacramento are definitely going to be open to making a move. And if Charlotte really liked Jaden Ivey, not as a point guard, and I know this is guards, not point guards we're talking about here, this is guards. Like, he's actually a really interesting fit next to Lamelo. Like, great athlete, mm-hmm. rim pressure player, something that the Hornets were not great at finishing at the rim. That is absolutely Jaden Ivey's specialty. He can get out in the fast break. Um, he's got, like, pretty good size and strength for, for a guard as well. Um, and some of my kind of concerns, so like I'll say it now, I would not have taken Jaden Ivey number one, which is probably a little bit surprising to some, but some of the worries I have about Ivey are just like, I think he will shred bad defenses all day in the NBA because he will just take advantage of mismatches. But when it gets into like playoffs, when he's playing against good defensive schemes, they're going to take away the three, they're going to take away the rim. And he's got really limited mid-range ability. And he's just not a gifted playmaker. And I just worry if he impacts the game in the high leverage situations. Um, so that's my my pause with Ivy. Um, it's just his his feel for the game, a little bit of his basketball IQ. But I, I agree, like, as an athlete, he is one of the best athlete guard prospects we've seen at the top of the draft. Everyone always says he compares him to Ja Moran. You can compare to Russell Westbrook. Uh, whoever you want to compare him to, he, he's in that conversation. All right. So you didn't pick Ivy number one. Who was your uh, first overall guard ranked for the Hornets prospect rankings that was going to go number two in our mock draft? So uh, for me, this is probably the guy that I have probably the, the least feel for in the whole draft. But you'll, you'll find out why. I'm going with Shaden Sharp who hasn't played a competitive basketball game in two years. And I'm being honest, the amount of film that I've got access to over in the UK is really limited on Shane Sharp because he didn't play college. He didn't play in Europe. Um, and finding like trying to analyze high school tape, I just find so difficult because of the variation in standard and quality of actually the, the tape itself. And a lot of it is highlights, not full games. So I have to say, I do not feel sure about this at all. But, 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 from the flashes that we've seen, from his ability both as an athlete, his size and his length, and his shooting percentages, especially as a pull-up shooter, which I believe was at Peach Jam, where I think he led the event. And what I've read from analysts who followed Sharp, you know, he was the number one ranked prospect, I think, in high school for like next year's draft class before he reclassified. I'm swinging. That's what I like in the draft. I like to swing for the highest upset. Like I, I will never draft people for role players in the draft. It's just not what I view it as. You can pick them up in vet minimums. I'm swinging for the, the high upside guys. That's why I'm taking Shaden Sharp at number two. Despite, if I was an actual AGM, I would be crapping myself. Like, and I would have to be figuring out through networks, what does his coaches who coach him in high school say about him? What do his teammates at Kentucky say about him? For me, that all that information is actually more important than a lot of the tape that is out there available, at least to me, for Shaden Sharp. And, and you mentioned that you had Shade number one. Um, I mean, some might call him a guard, a wing as well. We're going to call him a guard in this scenario. It's, again, it's not really clear. People haven't seen him play basketball for two years. Like, it's just not, nothing is clear with this guy. Clear as mud. What, what made you move Shaden Sharp down from being the number one ranked guard prospect? Uh, so it, I definitely think it was more uh, just like doing more research and watching more of Jaden Ivey and other players uh, like 
Dyson Daniels and other players that we'll get into. But uh, I also thought at his pro day that his ball handling looked like a lot slower than I expected it to be, even considering it was like a completely open gym uh, with like no defenders in front of him and all that. And it's a scripted workout. Uh, and he he's a very good vertical athlete, but I'm not sure if he's like has like the burst or uh, like mm, first step. That's what yeah, people like keep talking to me about is that yeah. he, he's great. Like when you throw him in an uncontested alley-oop, but actually that like burst and first step to blow by someone isn't there, which I've seen some tape of that. Um, it's, it's a worry for me. Like I, I share that concern. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's definitely something for me too. Like I, and it, if you don't have that uh, at like a really high level, like that first step and ability to get by pretty much any defender that a team can put in front of you, it's really hard to be like a three level shot creator, even if you are like a really good vertical athlete, because you just won't be able to get to places where you can show off that verticality as much, especially with the ball in your hands. And I, I don't, I do think that he could also become like a pretty good off ball score um, because I mean, we haven't seen him play in systems or anything or really play at all, all that much recently anyway, but you especially haven't seen him play in a system that would be similar to one in the NBA or what kind of role he'd have with an NBA team as a rookie. So we'd have to see like what kind of a uh, playmaker or off ball player that he would be. But right now, like the type of player that he projects as if everything hits is like the exact type of player that every NBA team means as like, especially Charlotte. yeah, especially Charlotte. But I mean, it, but if he doesn't like, I'm, I don't think he has like a low floor or anything, but it's just like that type of player is hard to draft. Like, in the top four or five, six picks. And th- that's to what you said. Like, that's why it seems like a lot of NBA GMs are, you know, even if you like him, like not necessarily having to look forward to stake some of your reputation to picking him. He could be Jalen Brown 2.0. He yeah, could be much. Ben McLemore 2.0. Like, I-, I don't have a great feel for it. <laughs> uh, and some of the concern, that, I mean, I've taken it, I would have taken him number one. Keep this in mind, but like, some of the reports I've heard, like from people who follow college basketball really closely, is maybe not the best in interviews and maybe not the most liked by my teammates. Which again, something on the Hornets team, like we had issues with Buck Knight last year, um, not with him being disliked, but just with maybe a little bit of immaturity. I really like the Hornets to come out of this draft to try and get someone who like is just like a grant williams herb jones type like leader and is just all-round great guy like and everyone talks about their character i'd I'd really like the hornets to add someone like that because i feel like it's been a couple of drafts now since we've had that that kind of player so uh, still with all that in mind um from from what i've seen i I just think he could have be a, a scary ceiling um okay number three pick i think i know who you're gonna take i think i do Go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, I, I am definitely – this is one of my favorite players in the entire draft. I love watching him. Dyson Daniels. I actually had him ranked uh, as my second guard uh, in the Hornets prospect ranking, so I have Ivy, Daniels, and Sharp as my top three now. Um, I absolutely – I said I absolutely love Dyson Daniels. He just like – he just does things right offensively. When he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he moves and he cuts. He's a pretty good finisher. Obviously, he – came into the G league uh, as being reported as six foot six measured as a combine. He's six foot eight. Now nearly 200 pounds gives him one through four positional versatility on both ends of the court too, which I think is really important 
uh, and is something that makes him a much higher upside player than if he were still only 6'6". Uh, and I, I believe in his jump shot as well. It looks pretty good off the dribble. Uh, he's not a great set shooter, and obviously the he has the, the free throw percentages that if you just look at it, it's not very good, and obviously it's still not very good regardless. But uh, the, the G League rule where uh, you only get one free throw uh, for two shot fouls for the first 46 minutes of the game definitely affected that. But I mean, you still can just hit the first free throw a little bit more often than Dyson did throughout his season with the ignite, but really, really like him. He can play point guard, shooting guard and small forward, maybe not power forward yet, but if he gains a little bit of weight, uh, I mean, he could definitely be slotted one through four anywhere and defend all those positions as well. So I'm, I'm very high on Dyson. He's my eighth player and the second uh, on my guard rankings for the Hornets. And if you rewind back to the start of the college, uh, end of the college season, sorry, he was mocked right around Charlotte Pickett, like between yeah. 10, 15. And through the pre-draft process, his stock has risen. And there is now a buzz about him going top five. Um, it's a real shame because I think way he back, just like perfectly with the day after the so season good. finished, someone asked me for my rankings. And I think I had him. Jeremy Sohan and Mark Williams is like my one, two, three. And both those other two probably still in with a chance to be there for Charlotte. Dyson Daniels like does not sound like he's getting outside the top 10 now, which probably pound for pound the best defender in the class, in the class, which we all know this Hornets team needs defense. It needs a stopper. And, and Daniels could have been that. And like on his last nine games, shot 45% from three, 74% from the free throw line. Compare that to his like first 14 games, I think it was 39% from the free throw line. So I, I love prospects who improve over time uh, because that shows work ethic. It shows the ability to, to learn and take on information and implement meaningful change. And you really saw that with Dyson Daniels. And again, you, you often see these guys who are raised abroad and kind of different, Australian born and bred in terms of his basketball education just play a different brand of basketball. And like I say, it always makes the right play. So uh, Dyson Daniels would have been my next pick at number three as well. Um, but again, if, if the Hornets were to, if the Hornets were to trade up, let's say they were to, to move up into that, I don't know, four range. Uh, no, let's say a little bit later, like six, seven, eight. Would, would Dyson Daniels of all positions, would he be your primary target for that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that's something that they wanted to do, like if they were going to try to package whatever assets they need to do to move up for Dyson Daniels, I would be totally on board with that. I think he's a really, really good fit with this team. And especially because he doesn't take away minutes from any other young player. Like he doesn't, you know, he can play alongside Lamelo. Uh, he can back him up if he needs to. He can play with James Booknight. He can play with Terry Rozier. It's, he's just so easy to slot yeah. into any lineup, especially a team like the Hornets that needs a player like him. I would agree. I would agree. Both big Dyson Daniels fans over here. Okay. I'm up he's next for. with a fourth pick. And I'm going to go Jaden Harding of G League Ignite, um, who I've got ranked 14th on my board. Um He's a guy who, like, you see a lot of mock drafts at the moment, and he's ranked, like, in the late teens and then 20s. And I understand it, but I really thought he'd be a big riser through the draft process. Um, I'm, I'm just shocked that he's still ranked that low. I'm going to read you some, some season splits here. So 
let's be frank, in his first seven games, Jaden Hardy was possibly the most painful basketball viewing experience I've ever watched this draft cycle. I, I, you should see my notes. It's just full of capitals saying, what is he doing? Like selfish, arrogant, just, just in the way that he played. He, he was 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, but he also averaged three turnovers, 33% from the field, 28% from three. And that was all his self-doing, self-harm to his like, own offensive efficiency. Just looked like he wanted to come in and take over the game and just had no control on it. Um, you look at the middle nine games of the season, he ups his field goal percentage by 4%, 5% even, that's good. He, his three-point percentage still still lingering and his turnovers are up, but he, he's slowly becoming a little bit more efficient. In the final eight games really turned a corner, similar to Dyson Daniels. 22 and a half points, five rebounds, four assists, cut the turnovers down 2.8 in terms of that assist to turnover ratio, Uh, 42% from the field, 38% from three. Again, you're talking about someone who came in as a, a deep threat bomber who tried to do that from day one and was just found out like playing against pro athletes in the G League and had to find ways to adapt to become more efficient. And again, I just love the improvement that he made over the time. Um, Interesting that he played pretty much primary point guard for the Ignite. Would you see him as a primary point, or do you think he could play some off-ball? Because actually, his his shooting off off the catch, I believe he's like a 42% shooter as well. He was even better off the catch. What what were your thoughts on his position? Like, If you're drafting him, is he simply a backup for Lamelo? Or is he someone, because he's definitely going to be, probably be available in that 13 to 15 range. Could he be the backup for Melo? Or is he, uh, could also play as a, a two guard as well? So I definitely view him as more of like a, like a, he could definitely be a combo guard, I think, if his playmaking develops. But right now, I think he's more of an off guard. And especially because I'm glad you brought up his catch and shoot percentage. He's much better. Uh, like when he catches the ball in an advantageous position, he's already moving or if he's already, he can, if he's open and can just catch it and fire because he's not great at just getting by much like Shaden Sharp. We talked about, he's not really great at getting by defenders from a standstill, but if he's already on the move, he has a lot of skill and he's a pretty creative scorer. So he great can handle, around, really good handle. Yeah, probably really, yeah, exactly. One of the most underrated things about his game is actually he's, he's not the best athlete. He's not the quickest, but he's got that ball on a string. Yeah, absolutely. And and when he goes up for finishes, he's a really creative finisher. He can, you know, get the ball around big men or, you know, float stuff over a guy's head. Uh, And I also think that there is, I don't know if I would make this case necessarily, but I think there is a case to be made that he's the best shooter in the draft. Uh, He definitely Mm. is like one of the most, he might be the most versatile shooter in the draft uh, when you take in mid range uh, and three point pull up and such shots. So uh, I, I'm definitely a fan of uh, Jaden Hardy. He he had ridden has risen quite a bit uh, since I, you know, the, the regular season ended and the Hornets weren't playing anymore, and I had more time to just start watching like full games of draft prospects over and over again. But uh, from what I had seen during the season and like live games, uh, he was in like the late 20s for me. But he is at 18 for me right now, um, and I that that is exactly where. I actually, I'd probably say 20. 20 is exactly where the list of prospects that I would say that I like, like in, in air quotes, uh, falls off. So he is in that range of players that I like or would be fine with the Hornets drafting. I, I like what you talk about there about being one of the best shooters in the class because people look at AJ Griffin and go, well, he's the best shooter. But 
You look or at AJ Griffin and they would say Hunjung Lee is the best shooter. In the <laughs> lots of pe- lots of people are saying this. It's not just maybe me. a lot of people in North Carolina are saying that specifically in the <laughs> Davidson area. But um, <laughs> um, people point to AJ Griffin, say, "Look at shooting percentages. He's the best shooter." You look at the shots that AJ Griffin takes compared to Jaden Hardy. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's a lot self-inflicted. Like he he's taking difficult shots, but. I remember I watched the, the, the Mike Schmidt's breakdown with Jaden Harding um, where they went through film and he just pulled up for like a 40 foot shot. And Mike Schmitz was like, what was he going through your head there when he, when he took that shot? And he was just like, no, that's, that's a good shot for me. And I'm like, no, a, a guarded 40 foot jumper. Like he thinks in the NBA that that's a good shot for him. That's my, my concern with Jaden Hardy is like, will he buy into being a, a good backup or, or not kind of dominating the offense when he comes in. And that's one thing that you probably learn through, you know, your evaluation of his personality through interviews, you get a feel for the guy because if he's coming to Charlotte, it's not going to be Jaden Hardy's team. It's the Mellow's team. And he's going to have to play a role and he didn't play a role with Ignite. So I, I like the skill set. Um, you know, 88% free throw shooter, like you're saying, again, another great indicator he's got, probably an elite shooting touch. Um, but it's just whether the rest of that point in our game can translate. Um, would, would Jaden Hardy have been your pick at four there as well? Yeah, yeah, he definitely would have been uh, my pick at four, I think. But uh, they, I, I, will ju- I went back and forth between him and uh, the player that I'm going to pick at five quite a bit. I, and I might even talk myself into the to this, this next guy coming up again by the time I do my spiel on him in a second. So do you know who's coming up? I, I hope I know who's coming up. I, I really okay. want us to match. I don't know who you're going to pick here, but I'm there's one guy who I really want to talk about, and I'm hoping you're going to give me the platform to do it. So, so go ahead. Was it Dalen Terry? It was Dalen Terry. There I love Dalen Terry. Well, this is why we this is why we podcast together. We're on the same wavelength, and I, I really really like Dalen Terry too. Um, I was super glad that he stayed in the draft. Yeah, uh, and I, I had watched a lot of his games um, throughout the year, so I, I had like. I really liked his game, but the more I thought about it in terms of like a philosophical perspective, like a, a bigger guard that has craft in the pick and roll uh, and he has pretty good vision as a ball handler in general. He has solid shooting touch uh, with potential to shoot. I think he shot 35% from three on his uh, 170 career attempts. It's a little bit of an awkward looking shot, but as we have seen with our current point guard in Charlotte, you can have an awkward shot and still be a sniper. Uh, obviously his size helps defensively. Uh, he's pretty, he's a really, really aggressive player on defense, uh, and in passing lanes and on, uh, on the boards. And he, I just really like the combination of like high floor and room to develop for him. Uh, especially as like a six, eight point wing. That's like nearly 200 pounds has a pretty solid athletic profile as well. So I'm, I'm also glad that we got to talk about Jalen Terry or Dale and Terry. I don't know if you can hear the sirens in the background right now. So it, I apologize. For Dale, that, Dale and Terry's draft stock is, is so hot right now. The, the fire engines are out. near you. Yeah, no, clearly <laughs> they, the, the, the fire department here is just talking about Dale and Terry and they, yeah. they came right over. But Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't need to say anything else. All I will add is through the interview process, one of the big reasons Dan Terry's been rising is just apparently electric personality, like lifts the room when he comes in a uh, great high character guy, which, which you love. And he's born to be a role player, like the antithesis really of Jaden Hardy, like uh, yeah, Dalen Terry 
like per 36 minutes averaged 10 points per game <laughs> which is really really low but he is just like happy to play a role to play that support and cast role which again I think would fit really well and he's kind of like a poor man's Dyson Daniels a little bit older um probably maybe not not quite as good a feel for the game but again like actually if you look at assists per 36 minutes Dalen Terry averages more than Jaden Ivey Dyson Daniels and Jaden Hardy so it's definitely like, I think, an underrated playmaker. And he didn't even play the, like the lead primary point guard the whole time at Arizona. It, it was a good situation for him because he was surrounded by other good players and defenses were definitely sagging off him and, and giving him time. He's got a pretty slow three-point shot. But again, look at projecting forward in Charlotte. If Charlotte were to trade back, like I, I definitely think Dale and Terry, you're looking more role player-esque now. But if Charlotte were to trade back, I, I'd be really happy as... If you want to take him as kind of a potential long-term backup guard in the NBA, he could also probably play in the wing as well. Um, I, I could think you can do a lot worse than Dalen Terry. And again, he comes with that defensive, kind of defense-first attitude, which this this Hornets team needs. I honestly think I would be fine with, uh, if the Hornets just picked him at 15 and they keep both of those both of those picks. I have him at 16 on my board right now. Oh, so. wow. Okay. You're, you, I'm, I mean, I like him. I've got him 22. So yeah, well, so are... part of part of my thinking was that like if I have Dyson Daniels ranked eighth for a lot of the same reasons that I like Dale and Terry, like how, like I can't not have Dale and Terry ranked high as well. He doesn't do everything as well as Dyson. They're not like the same player, but they're built similarly. They have the same type of like ideal versatility uh, on both ends of the course. So I just thought about it and I was like, and especially because I, I just looked at the players that I had above him and I was like, you know, I think if Dalen Terry hits, he's probably more valuable to a playoff level successful team than some of the guys I had above him. So he, he is uh, just outside the lottery for me right now. But don't don't make me go back and reevaluate my board chase. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I won't I won't I won't talk anymore. I just I just published it literally yesterday. <laughs> don't make me want to go no, back I, I and do that Dalen too, Terry up. As soon as you publish it, it makes you want to change something around even more than like just going on and looking at it and you're on your own free time. Well, but. the real difference, you know, there's this quarter of an inch between them, Chase. So, I mean, you've you got to have Dale and Terry further down. <laughs> I'm looking for reasons <laughs> to try and split them here. Quarter of an inch, just not quite got the same size. No, I, I don't know. I, I think, look, I think it's a good argument. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the big thing is just like offensive feel and ability to, to score in the half court on the offensive end. Um, I think that's for me where I, I, I give more credence to Dyson Daniels as a threat Same. to score, which is why I have him that so high, but um, interesting. So you're, you, you essentially got five guard prospects in your top 16, which is actually quite a lot, I reckon for a pretty generally known as pretty weak draft class. Yeah. I've, uh, I've got, yeah, I've, I've got at least five or six now that I'm, looking at it right here and it also depends on like what you know what type of position you'd classify certain guys at but i yeah i, I hadn't even thought about that but i definitely have a pretty guard heavy uh like top 15 20 ish range um i'm pretty sure there by by you taking dale and terry at the end we have the same exact five prospects in different orders we, do. we not 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 this exact same order but we have the same top five guys um which is which is really interesting i'm I'm looking at your rankings now on my screen. We do diverge if we were to go on. I think you've got Ty Tyrak next and I've got Kennedy Chandler. So 
we, we're not just copying each other, folks. We, we are changing it up. But um, yeah, really, really interesting to run through that. Um, one thing I will say, if you haven't already, is me and Chase will have our updated Hornet-specific prospect rankings on sihornets.com. Uh, if you go on All Hornets Twitter account, you can find the link on there. If you type in SI Hornets, you'll be able to find the link on there. Go to the NBA draft page, go on the Hornet-specific prospect rankings. You can see uh, information, heights, wingspans, measurements. You've also got all the uh, per 36 stats as well, some of the shooting percentages. Really good place just to have a look at prospects that are kind of particularly ranked with the Hornets in mind and looking at some of the kind of the key anthrometric and statistical data that go alongside them for the draft as well. So make sure you go check that out if you haven't already. That brings to an end our top five guards. Chase, have you got anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think that's uh, that about rounds out the section on the guards. Should we move on to our top five wings on our Hornet-specific big board? Let's do it. And when we move on to wings, I have the number one pick for wings. Um, and again, I, I don't know your rankings here. I've not, I've not brought them up yet. Um, the wings are super, super interesting because there's just like a serious huge number of wings in the draft. And I think that's just the way that the NBA has gone in recent times, like with uh, multi, multi-positional basketball, essentially you want a bunch of six, six to six, nine guys who can do everything. Um, with that in mind, my number one wing, and we're not counting Jabari on this, just to make that clear. We're not counting Paolo. We've both got, we've both got them classes forwards. My number one wing of Arizona is Ben Matherin, who I have ranked seventh overall. Um, and this, this club wing's about to talk about is, is really interesting because I have a sneaky suspicion that one of the top three is going to fall to Charlotte. I, I just feel like it's going to happen. Um, and trying to split the, the wings due to going to the lottery is difficult, but I think Matherin offers you the best blend of, of youth, shooting, length, athleticism, passing, and like ability to tack the rim and draw free throws. Like he's not exceptional at any one thing, but he's really, he really doesn't have much of a weakness. You can maybe point to his defense, but even then I think you look at his tools, he's definitely got tools to be that. And when he was locked in, and I hate, hate to have to say it when he's locked in, but when he was, he was a good defender. So for me, I've got Ben Matherin, sophomore, but he is still only 20 years old. Um, what do you make of Ben Matherin going to more? Ben Matherin is, would also be my number one pick for the Hornets uh, if any of these wings were to fall to them. Oh, we got to uh, start he, disagreeing more, Chase. I know, I know. We, we got we to gotta figure this out before the, uh, the next podcast and we can just <laughs> scheme it up and so we can just argue the whole time. We can be like, like Stephen A and Skip back in the day. Um, but yeah, I do, I do really like Ben Matherin. He's like a good like shooter-scorer wing prospect. Uh, he does have pretty ideal measurements for that type of archetype as well. Uh, and I, he, I agree. He has lots. He has the tools to be a defender. And I also thought that, uh, like at Arizona, he had uh, Christian Coloco was like one of the best defensive players easily in that conference, but if, probably in the entire country. Uh, and that probably makes it a little bit easier for a guy who is like the main scorer, ball handler option to not be uh, a lead defensive option as well. But I think in the NBA that'll probably work itself out quite a bit um and he's i mean he's a career 38 percent shooter he took 316 uh attempts from three 
at Arizona, shot 78.9% from the line over uh, over his two years there. He was just a very productive player uh, in a high major conference as it was an All-American last year. Uh, Arizona never, you know, made the deepest tournament run either of the, year, the years that he was there. But, I mean, I, I, I still think that he is a, a very good prospect. I have him uh, at number 10 right now. Yeah, so I've got him seven, a little bit higher than you. Um, he's not someone who I would want to trade up for, I don't think. Um, I know Buck Knight's first season was not what a lot of people hoped. Um, I have no problem drafting over Buck Knight, but I don't know if I want to be given up, I don't know, two picks to move up to take another wing prospect. And I think, like, Matherin was actually in last year's draft. And he was going to be like a, 20, a kind of top 20 pick or so. And Buck Knight was, was due to go way ahead of him. Now, a year on, a lot's changed. Matherin's taken a step on. And if you were to ask a lot of draft analysts right now, who would you rather have, Matherin or Buck Knight? I'm guessing 98 out of 100 will say Ben Matherin, apart from very patient people. Sure. Um, but so I, I don't think it's someone I want to move up to get. But if you were to fall, which... To be honest, I, I think it's really unlikely just looking like he fits in every team. There's just not a team that doesn't need a Ben Matherin. So I, I don't think it's one of those things where like the team is drafting before Charlotte uh, in New York and OKC will be like, oh, well, we don't need a wing who can shoot, pass, dribble and has potential to defend. Like everyone needs that. So I don't think he'll get there. I think he's may, probably maybe the least likely of the wings to maybe make it out the top 10. Yeah, I agree. I think he probably has a pretty firm... 10 maybe 11 draft range i think i don't think the knicks um would pass on him even though they have a pretty good core of wings he's just he's a very would be a very good player to throw into that young nucleus that they have going there but should we move on to the number the number two pick yep go ahead hit me hit me with number two all right aj griffin uh he would be a pretty a pretty firm second place for me behind Ben Matherin. I do think that he is the best shooter in the draft. I, I definitely subscribe to that. Uh, 44.7% uh, on 4.1 attempts per game last year, 159 total. It was just a blistering shooter from beyond the arc. And he steadily got more comfortable uh, as the year went on. And by the time the end of the year came around, he seemed like he was a very comfortable fit in that Duke offense. Uh, he has very good size for wing, 6'6", 222. Uh, the athleticism obviously isn't quite what it used to be when he was a very highly touted recruit coming out of high school. But I mean, if he was hurt and if he can't get back to that, then I think that he has a much higher ceiling than not than he's being given credit for, but than a lot of the other guys that he tends to be ranked below or tends to go after in a mock draft because he's just such a good shooter. He can really handle the ball. He really defends too. Uh, I think that's something that has kind of gotten lost in his uh, like pre-draft reputation. Uh, is he's a, he's like a very good effort defender, I think. Uh, and obviously in the NBA, if he can get some of that athleticism back as he ha- has more time between those two injuries. And now he would be likely be an even, even better defender. So AJ Griffin would be, my second choice uh, among the wings for the Hornets. And I actually, I think there is an increasing chance that he is available there. Uh, Either him or who I presume will be the next pick will be there, but Matherin probably not. Where do you have Griffin on your board? Uh, I have AJ Griffin at six right now. Wow. Wow. Okay. I disagree with almost everything you just said. 
So this yeah. is here we go. All right, here we go. Here we go. Right. Um, I have Adrian Griffin ranked twelfth. So towards the back end of the lottery, you say he's the best shooter in the draft. I I think he's up there, but I think he could even be maybe one of the best shooters in the NBA. And I know we try and avoid hyperbole like that, but you look at his shooting statistics and everything points that direction. I'm going to read you the top five shooters from three-point percentage in the NBA last season. Luke Kennard, Rui Hachimura, Desmond Bain, Mike Muscala, Tyrese Maxey. Even if he is a top five shooter in the NBA, it doesn't always guarantee that you are a guy who really play, plays like a meaningful role on a good team. Like Luke Kennard, Hachimura, Muscala, those are like role players on bad teams. Um, well, the, the Clippers aren't bad for Kennard, but um, he was barely in the rotation. Bain is obviously the one that sticks out, right? Um, but he's got real ability to attack the rim, to rebound as well. I, I think Desmond Bain is almost like your best case scenario AJ, with AJ Griffin. Like he's also thick bodied as well. But I definitely liked Bain more as a defender. He was much older during the draft. Um, and then Tyrus Max, obviously a guard prospect. So I, I say that to say that. I make that point to say, I should have said, that just if, even if he is one of the top five shooters in the NBA, I just don't know what else he does that necessarily affects the rest of the game. You said you like him as a defender. I, I love his potential to be a good defender. You look at his body, you think he could check fours. You, you look at his length, the report got seven foot wingspan to go along with being like six, six. It all seems to make sense, but you, you didn't really see it on that Duke team. His usage rate is just minimal. I think it's under 19%. Put that in, compare that to like Matherin, 25%. So played a really kind of limited role. And obviously he's got the injury red flag as well. Like he's had multiple knee, ankle injuries, didn't play for a while before coming to Duke, which you can package that up two ways. You can package it that, great, he's not played for two years, look how good he is. Or you can package it up that, well, he's missed two years of key development between like the ages of 16 and 18. And yes, he's worked out with his dad, who's Adrian Griffin Sr., who's an assistant coach in the league. But there is some things you can do in a gym, which is practice shooting. There are other things that you struggle, you know, draw on contact and fouls. Uh, he's got all for free throw, right, as, as I mentioned. That's something that you're going to struggle to learn while just working out in a gym by yourself. So um, I would not have taken AJ Griffin there. And I would have said he's, I, I agree. I think of the names, it's sounding like he could slide. And I'd be, I tell you, those medicals have to be outstanding. And those interviews have to be outstanding. I think if, even though I've got to rank 12, there's a lot of things there that we don't have access to just with, you know, we don't have access to behind the scenes medicals. There's a lot of things that I think could even slide him down further for me if I were to have that information. That would be the one worry for me is that if he slides, that that is, it's because his knee medicals didn't come back very well. But it I feels mean, like Malik Monk. I, I'm sorry. A little bit. It's like Malik Monk. I, he's I, a guaranteed he, yeah. shooter, and he came into the league, and you're like, oh wait, why can't why can't Malik Monk shoot now? Why is he a driver? Like it. This I just get worrying Malik Monk. Oh, he's sliding to us. How can we be so lucky? You draft him and then it's just, I don't know. He, he scares me. He's like, the prospect that scares me most out of any of the top 15 ranked guys in this class. Hmm, that's interesting. See, I think I'd be a little bit more 
I'd have a little bit more trepidation. Actually, I think I'd probably have significantly more trepidation about taking uh, Shaden Sharp than I would about AJ Griffin right oh, yeah. now. Okay, I just, maybe, I just, maybe I, second I, I really, <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's, def- maybe that's, second that's definitely fair. He, he, Shaden Sharp is kind of just an outlier in that regard, but yes. I, I do. I really like uh, AJ Griffin as like an off-ball mover too. I think he uh, was pretty good at that at Duke, and he was pretty good at just working off of the Paulo Mark Williams pairing and then the Trevor Keels as well. But uh, I, I do really like him. So, but if he, and if he fell to the Hornets, I would, I would be pretty, pretty happy if he, if they ended up making him as the, as their selection, but who is your, uh, your second pick in our wing? Okay. Second pick. And I'm running to the podium to turn this in uh, is Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Um, Sophomore, um, probably the best defender, I would say, of any of the two prospects we've talked about so far. Um, isn't super long, like doesn't have a super big wingspan. I think it's only like six nine, and he's six six himself, but just plays with a sense of physicality, determination, and grit. I really like what he could add on the wing with Charlotte. It's also just like again, elite character guy, which I talked about earlier in the podcast. That's what I I really want the Hornets to come out with some elite character players. Um, you know, I just think his role at Wisconsin, he was the go-to guy surrounded by not much talent. You look at his efficiency, it's, it ranks towards the bottom of all these lottery prospects. But I think if you were to flip Malachi Branham or Ben Matherin or Adrian Griffin and Johnny Davis' spot, they all would have had the same struggles. So I don't give too much of a knock for him on that. And he showed in his first year as a freshman, he can be a bit more of a role player. He's not just like a low percentage chucker by any means. And then something that I've stumbled upon recently, Johnny Davis, advanced stats darling, which I did not anticipate, especially with the shooting percentages and his age. But um, of the three guys that we've talked about so far, Johnny, Johnny Davis leads them in, in usage, 32.5%, Matherin at 25%, Adrian Griffin at 19 uh, He leads them in PER. He leads them in defensive win shares, defensive rating, defensive box plus minus, box score plus minus. Leads them all. Um, so you're really seeing, especially the defensive impact, come through on those advanced stats with John Davis. So um, probably not going to be a you know elite creator for, for others, but good cutter and finisher, good mid-range scorer with potential out to three. And I, I really like his defense. And that's why I actually think for the Hornets, if they could find a way to get Davis, I, I'd really like that addition on the wing. I really like Johnny Davis too. Um, so I have a, so I'm terrible at comparisons and I always have to preface my player comparisons with this, but this is, and this is only an offensive comparison as well, but I feel like he has a little bit of like, uh, like if CJ McCollum were just really tall and strong instead of being like a bit undersized, like I feel like that's a little bit how he plays on offense. He's uh, he has he's a, a more athletic and st- taller and stronger, but he likes he the mid range. Yeah, he really likes the mid range shot. He has a good kind of repertoire of floaters and runners and leaners that he can use uh, in the mid range or in the paint as well. And he can stretch it out to the three point line. And when he gets going from three, he really gets going. So, and I also thought. Um, he like and like you said the analytics i think i think the reason they like him so much is cuz he is definitely the best current defender of the three guys that we have talked about right now like he, like far and away he plays the hardest uh he's the best at it he had uh, averaged 1.1 steals his freshman year and 1.2 uh his sophomore year at wisconsin uh right now i think that he easily and i don't think he 
does he doesn't have the most potential of the three because I do think that his he's a little bit smaller, obviously, uh, and I'm not sure that he's quite like. I don't think he's going to be quite strong enough to be able to switch up necessarily in the NBA, but I definitely think he'll be able to switch down. So that, and, there's a benefit to that. But and he, you know, like you said, compared to those other two, his physical gifts are lacking, like athleticism, mm-hmm. strength, body build, wingspan. But we've seen it before. You see guys in the playoffs like Grant Williams, not the biggest, not the quickest. He's got like a six nine wingspan. He was able to bother Giannis more than like 99% of these guys with freakishly long arms in the NBA, like it, a lot of it is about your, your ability to, to read the scout report, your ability to compete in battle that can make up for an inch here to here, here and there. Like, absolutely. So um, yeah, happy with Johnny Davis is my pick. I will hand over the fourth pick for our top five rankings for wings over to you. All right, this is another one that we're definitely going to disagree on. Uh, we have him 10 spots apart on our prospect rankings. I'm going with my guy, Blake Wesley. This is another one of my favorite, probably my second favorite player in the draft uh, after Dyson Daniels. Uh, so I think that after Jaden Ivey, there is not a single player in this draft that gets downhill like with more ease or on their own accord, per se, than Blake Wesley does. He's a really good drive-and-kick guard wing size player. He's athletic. He's got a budding pull-up game with pretty solid mechanics. His craft in the in the pick and roll, uh, and he's a pretty good open court ball handler as well. He can get to the rim and transition. Um, he's Notre Dame's first one and done, which I think was is kind of cool. He has a lot of fluidity and shake to his game, uh, and I think he works through uh, his reads and his passing progressions a little bit quicker and more accurately in the NBA. He's going to have some potential to play the one, and I really like. I just really love his game. I love watching him and all the interviews that he's given makes him seem like a, he's a really hard worker. Uh, he seems like a pretty smart guy. Uh, I've, I've just, I've li- liked him from the first time that I watched him. I think if his shot comes around and he is even like a league average shooter, he's going to be a really good shot creator um, both for himself and for others. Uh, and I also think he's going to be a good defender too, because he has the tools for that. And right now he hasn't, he hasn't been very consistent at Notre Dame, but I mean, He's also pretty young still, and when you get him in a player in the NBA, um, that you can turn them into a good defender depending on the type of player that they are, and he seems like that type of player that would be willing to work at it. Darion Sebron. That's who I think gets downhill better than... I, see, I knew, I knew that, was, that was it. I, 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 I don't think so. I, just, I, think, I think Blake Wesley has a lot. He's a, I think Blake Wesley's a, be, a much better ball handler than Darion Sebron, which allows him to get downhill a lot easier uh, when the, in like tight quarters. I think he's a better – Darion Sebron is probably like a faster player and definitely has a lot more force going downhill. But I, th- I think Blake Wesley is, is the second best downhill driver in this class after, after Jay. Yeah. Sebron, Sebron is third, though. I, I, w- I will say that. Um, I definitely would say. Sebron I have Blake Jay. Wesley, I think. Um, in the second round, right? Yeah, start the second yeah. round. So it's safe yeah. to say this wouldn't be my pick. Um, I just yeah, I, I have him at thirteen, so I'm probably at like wow. the top end of the this of is the Blake Wesley. So fans, interesting. I I, yeah. For me, he's just like a small guy who struggles to score inside and struggles to score from three. Like, and he's not really small though. He's he's six four. So if he can play one, then that's like a that's a pretty like if he can play at least one, average size. Yeah. Combo if, play. If I think can... I definitely think he can. He's a, he's a very he's a good he ball can. handler. I mean, well, I mean, assuming that everything goes right for him, but I mean, if he comes in and then, like, 
bust out of the league or something, then that would be a different scenario. But assuming that he's in a good situation to develop, I think he definitely can play one um, at some point in his career. He was pretty decent at it with Notre Dame last year. Uh, uh, Prentice Hub, like one of the all-time best names of any college basketball player, by the way, Prentice Hub. Uh, he was like their kind of their main point guard. Cormac Ryan was a playmaker too, but I thought I thought Blake Wesley did pretty well when he had to initiate stuff. And he he's good in the pick and roll too, which kind of lends you a little bit more freedom to not be like a true lead initiator, but you can still do some stuff that can create looks for other teammates uh, in the half court. Uh, uh, yeah. For me, it's just you look at the assist to turnover ratio. It's like, I think it's 2.4 assists to 2.2 turnovers, like almost one to one. Oh, yeah. Which just gives me some pause. Um, and I, I, I know he got a lot of his stuff in transition, which is where he's great. Um, but my worry is like, you, you come in the NBA, some of that transition gets taken away, people are bigger. Um, I, I, yeah, it's safe. To, it's fine. We agree to disagree. Um, you That's know, what you, this podcast is for. We're not we're not here to just go back absolutely and forth telling each other how um, right we are the whole time. But you you were within your right to take him in four. It it will hurt me to write the podcast description when I write the top five <laughs> wings, and I have to include Blake freaking Wesley in there. But oh, this this is going to give us a a tough pick or give you a tough pick at five too, because there are two very worthy players for for this last selection. So I'm sorry that I did this to you as well. This is really stacking up now. I know because I was really hoping I'd get to speak about both these guys. Um, I what am I going to do? My number five. Who am I going to rank? I have one guy ranked. You see, I have one guy ranked higher than the other, but I maybe think the other one will be a better fit for the Hornets. Um, no, I'm going to go my board. I'm going to go Jalen Williams at 15. Um, the probably biggest riser of the pre-draft process so far. We put thoughts about him from our uh, post-combine reactions about the kind of the rise he's had up. Well, let's continue. Like he is now a probably 15 to 25 range kind of guy, like touching that late lottery now. Uh, I have him ranked 15 myself. I have him ranked as my fourth best guard. That's ahead of Malachi Branham, who is probably what a lot of people expect in there. Like uh, Malachi is, is fine for me. Um, the, the advanced stats absolutely detest everything about him. But like, I think he will be a really solid role-playing shooter. The thing I like about Jalen Williams is just the on-ball creation and also the physicality. Like he's still growing into his body. Um, he's got some elite tools in terms of like his ability to, to move fluidly and also be ultra long. Um, the, the big worry for me probably is actually the shooting. He's a career 35% shooter from three, which is, is fine. But you think about, well, that's in the West coast conference, 35% and he's kind of bigger than everyone there. Um, you'd hope that would be a little bit higher over the time. And I do think he might be maybe more of a driver creator early on on time in, in the NBA rather than just a, a three point shooter. I, I don't think he's just like a three and D prospect. I, that's not what I see him as. I see him almost like a, a bit of a secondary tertiary kind of creator who, who can do a little bit of everything. So um, I'm going Williams ahead of Branham just because I, I feel like he can affect the game in more ways. Whereas if Branham's shot isn't on in a game, I don't know if he's helping you at all. And you're relying on that shooting sample size, which caught a lot of people by surprise in college. And I think he will be a good shooter, but we've seen before, like if Malik Monk wasn't hitting shots in Charlotte, he was just struggled to be effective. 
Um, and, and that's why I worry a little bit about, about Branham, which is why I've, I've put Williams ahead of Branham. Although I do understand there is a, there is a perfectly reasonable case for, for Branham to be ahead of Williams as well. What, what do you, where do you have those two ranked? Because I think they're probably, I'm guessing, are they the next two on your board? Yeah, I would have I have Branham at fifteen and I have Jalen Williams at twenty. So like, okay, like so I said, my, my top twenty I like. So I I like both of them, but I mean, you know, I I think I would have taken uh, Malachi in this situation over Jalen Williams. But I mean, I, it is it is tough though because I think that even though that J- Malachi probably relies more on his shot going in to like impact a game in a positive way, I think that his like scalability to the role that he's going to play might be a little easier than what Jalen Williams is going to experience like right away. Uh, Like, like like you said though, but Jalen Williams is like a, he's a good passer. He has a, he's a pretty good ball handler. He He basically played point guard. He's been used to having the ball in his hands at UC Santa Barbara for the last three years. And he's going to go to the NBA where all of a sudden, like he's not going to be the guy just with the ball in his hands. Whereas Malachi has kind of been used to playing that now for some time. Yeah, no, like he's not going to have a 25% uh, usage rate in the NBA this first year. And but he is a pretty good shooter in his uh, junior year was his highest year uh, from three-point land in shooting. But I, I just, I'm not sure that he's able to like create those shots for himself on an often enough basis and also be somebody that can make plays without like having the ball in his hands a lot like I don't know if he's somebody that can come off of the bench and just kind of go do his thing right away whereas I do think Malachi Branham could be that type of player that's just like a instant microwave scorer and can just come off the bench and you know if it's working you'll know right away and if it's not working you'll also probably know right away uh and I also I do think that Malachi also even though I don't think Jalen Williams is bad or like bad at it, or he, I still think he's pretty good at it. I think Malachi will probably be a more efficient scorer and just a general, a generally a better shooter, scorer, finisher uh, at the NBA level. And he seems like he has a lot more touch and like smooth ability, smooth ability to get by players and stuff like that. And the, the big thing with Malachi, and this is where I really struggle because I watch him and I, I don't love the tape, but just look at the pure production, the efficiency, at being 19 years old, it's hard, it's hard to, to argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to like throw your hands up at some point and be like, well, like guys at that age who produce that level generally translate. And Jalen Williams is two years older. But what I'm banking on is that late growth spurt that he had while at UC Santa Barbara. It's not like he's been this player for three years. Like he's changed and emerged um, at, in that time. So I'm banking on Williams, even though he's two years older being a late bloomer and kind of being at a similar point in his developmental pathway. Um, so that's what I'm banking on. But I, I think it's close between those two guys. Yeah, I, it's definitely close for me too. Um, I, they're, they're all in the range. Pretty much everybody we've talked about today is in the range of players that I still like in this draft. This draft has, has gotten, it's kind of got like a weird reputation. The more that I have watched in the last like month or two though, the more that I, tend to just like players which may be me just people like, say that every try, year trying, trying to justify like uh like the time that i'm spending watching it but uh i mean I, there, it's not like this is definitely i don't know if it's like the it might, probably the second weakest uh draft class that i've personally like made a big board for since uh, i started in 2019 but it's definitely not like bad there there's value to be found here there's uh there's there's too much talent available 
uh, in the pre-NBA dra- basketball world for there to be like truly bad drafts. You know, what there I mean? will be there will be starters and high leverage players and all stars in this draft taken outside the top yeah. ten. It is yeah. the NBA team's job to find out who that is, and every year there will be players who do it. Um, and that's why I love the draft because it's always it's always a lottery, but there will always be people out there. Um, just before we finish up, I just want to quickly recap the top five prospects. So for for top five guards, we had Jaden Ivey as number one, selected by yourself. Shaden Sharp, number two. Dyson Daniels, number three. Jaden Hardy, number four. And Dalen Terry, number five. And for our wings, we had Ben Matherin, number one. Johnny Davis, number two. AJ Griffin, number three. No, sorry. Uh, yeah, AJ. Ah, ben Matherin, number one. AJ Griffin, number two. Johnny Davis, number three, Blake Wesley, number four, and Jaden Williams, number five. Those are our, our final kind of consensus rankings between us. Um, be interesting to see how, if this changes before the draft. I, I feel like for me, like most of my scouting's done now, especially like in the first round. Uh, I, do you anticipate many changes on your board? Uh, not not in the first round, but I, I think that maybe in like the later rounds and stuff, but I, I can't imagine... Um these rankings changing much now in the next you know, 17 days. We're locking yeah. them in. We're locking them in, Chase. We're locking these yep. in. See, lick the envelope and seal it. They're in. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks everyone listening today to our top five Garden Wings rankings. Uh, we'll be back soon. We're looking at our forwards and at our centers. Um, thanks everyone listening for the latest episode of the Hornets Draft Show. We'll see you again soon.